This is the Portland Real Estate Podcast, your number one place for anything you need to know about the Portland real estate market, along with in-depth interviews from our local real estate industry experts. Now, without further ado, here are our hosts, Tucker Merrihue from TTM Development Company and Steve Nassar from Premier Property Group. All right, welcome back, everybody. This is episode 63 of the Portland Real Estate Podcast. We're back again, back-to-back weeks. We're getting after it, and we got another great show for you this week. It's our Best of Masters series, and I'm back here in our virtual studio with my co-host, Steve, and our wonderful guest, as always, Joe. So welcome, guys. Hey, hey. guys. Welcome on the show, Joe. Good to have you back. That's a big Thanks. glass of water you just drank out of, by the way. Thank you. Getting my books <laughs> ready. Watermelon, watermelon. Okay, I'm good. cool so it's our favorite segment the regular best of masters how is everything going joe how's your little baby group on facebook it's going well a couple changes they changed the search feature so instead of being a box where you can type in depending on your platform if it's a phone or ipad or or your pc or, or mac it's either a little magnifying glass with a search box moved to the left or it could be kind of where it was, but they, they changed the symbol. And I always recommend searching because, gosh, I don't know how long Masters has even been around, but it seems like four or five years, and you can search for a topic, and there really aren't very many topics we haven't covered. So rather than saying, hey, who's a contractor, or I need a, a roofer, or I need a mover, you can search and see threads where it's already been covered like 10 different times, and at least. And when people are not really searching much, I pin a little video I made on how to search, which will help them. The second thing is when people ask for vendors, you got to be detailed. People just say, hey, I need someone that can replace siding. Who do you like? Go. You know, that's about it. And it's like, well, you know, where's the house? Is it a 5,000 square foot house? Is it a 1,000 square foot house? Is it in Portland? Is it in Washington? You know, what kind of sightings there now? What's wrong with it? What's your timeline? It's like me going online saying, hey, I'm going to buy a new car. What can I get for my old car? And that's all the information I give, you know? So don't make us play 20 questions. Give the pertinent details. And then we're ready to roll. So hey, another thing, Joe, just on a side note, because I saw there was somebody that posted and said, I made two calls and nobody called me back on a vendor. If you're going to call a vendor, they're busy as shit right now. But Don't say, hey, this is Bob. Here's my number. Hang up, right? Give them a reason to call you back. Give them a description of the job. Tell them where the house is. Give them something other than, I have no idea who Bob is. I don't know what the hell they want, so why would I call them back, right? You got to dangle the bait. You got to frame the conversation that you're not having yet. So just a little tip there to get guys to call you back. It's a really good one, Tucker. And along those lines, Joe, I have a couple of follow-up questions for you. So the search feature, is it on phones or not? It is on phones, and I believe I don't do a lot of searching on my phone. Usually if I need something, I'm on an iPad or a notebook or PC, but I... Okay, because I, I think in the past, like, I know obviously you can search Facebook on your phone, but I thought in the past, if you were on the Masters, you couldn't, but if it maybe it is now. I definitely noticed that they changed the search because it always was down and to the right. Now it's over to the left. In fact, there was somebody who posted and even that was their comment was like, where's the search feature? 
So interesting about the phones. We'll have to check that out. Here's another question for you. What is your take? I've noticed lately a few more of the negative vendor statements. Hey, I just used XYZ. They stink. Here's why. Do you think that is a healthy dynamic? I mean, everybody's going to have a bad experience with somebody, right? Or somebody's going to always have a bad experience with everybody. I mean, even us, you know, doing what we do, I'm sure there's one client out there that probably felt we didn't do something we should have. What's your take on it, Joe? Well, you know, I don't love the negative stuff, but just as people recommend vendors, we also need to know who's shady, you know, who shafted someone before, showed up drunk. I mean, we have to know that stuff, but, you know, just as I beat that drum about antitrust laws, the other thing that's important is I don't want people railing realtors and real estate companies per se, and I don't really want them railing lenders, but it's pertinent to know. I just, I don't want that to get to the intimate phase, but I think someone said, hey, this accountant sucks, and hey, this inspector was shady. I think that's relevant, and it's kind of an arm's length away from the realtors and the lenders that are part of it, that I would let that slide. And look, if someone's horrible and they have a silver tongue and you get caught in the web and you hire this person and they do a horrible job, I mean, it's our duty to let people know the good and the bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I've seen more of it. It seems like a newer phenomenon, so I was curious what your take on it was. Hey, well, on that note, I'll post this in Masters this week, but... I caught a nameless company this week that has what I would uh, I have concluded is a hot box for radon when they do homeowner tests versus home buyer tests. So I'll elaborate more in masters this week, but I think this whole radon thing, there's a big scam that we're all not in on with that thing lately. But anyway, I'm dangling the bait for a future post. So there you go. Posting false positives over 0.4. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I've got conclusive evidence, too, for because I had two tests done, and then I confronted them on it, and they did the old backpedal, cover my you-know-what. Well, the wow. wind might be blowing in the other direction, and, you know, sometimes <laughs> when the weather changes, you know, there's a nine-point swing in the radon, you know, which is like, why do we test hmm. for it? But anyway, I'll post it well, mass, but and yes. so And the idea being they sell the remediation, which would obviously be pretty inexpensive to install if there was really no issue, huh? Yeah, I mean, it's similar to like sewer line guys, right, that go out and scope the line, but they also bid the work. Well, that joint looks a little questionable. Here's a bid for $3,500 to dig up a joint that's three and a half feet down and replace it. You know, very similar type thing. So Hmm. interesting. I'll look for that post. I digress. Yeah. So getting into topics, let's let's get right into it. We had one here. This was April 11th, posted by Chris Cochran. Good morning, Masters. Has anyone worked with Savvy Lane Brokerage? It is a limited representation brokerage. This is the email received after inquiring if the seller was not represented or if they were representing broker. We have a signed agreement for commission with all our sellers. However, we are not party to the transaction unless our seller asks us to step in. At this time, please leave us off the contract. However, for state records, we will need a copy of the purchase agreement. Thank you. What do you think masters think? So, Joe, what's your take on that one? You know, I don't think it should be allowed. They're just basically paying to have someone stick them in RMLS, which is quite the testament to RMLS and ListHub and their syndication program, getting it out there to all the websites. But 
you can't be in a system with brokers giving full representation. And they say that it's not even limited representation, which is false because they say, hey, we have no representation. Talk to the seller directly. But the very nature of being in RMLS, you have two choices. You have full representation or limited. So the very fact that they put it in MLS and they're getting paid, but they're doing nothing else, that is some sort of representation. But, you know, for whatever the fee is, 500 bucks or a thousand bucks, they stick it in RMLS. I mean, I understand people wanting to net the most money, but people take it too far. Like, what was that? There was a sitcom. This guy was going to the doctor to get a physical and his buddy's like, hey, man, Tell them you have tendonitis in your shoulder and, you know, find out what exercises you need to do to get rid of it. Because he had tendonitis in his shoulder and he didn't <laughs> want to go to the doctor, you know, <laughs> or it's like the, the people that, you know, their friends have a, a designer team come to their house and they're redoing the interior and they're doing landscaping and they're tagging along because they're going to list their own house and sell it soon enough. And they want to, you know, free advice. And, you know, there's a point where you get a little too cheap for reality. Like mm -hmm. I could probably save money by changing my own rear axle, but I'd never want to do it, you know, and I'd probably have to pay someone to do it anyway. So I think it's all bad stuff. And I think they're writing on the coattails of this is a glorified for sale by owner because they're in the computer. They know a realtor is going to be there protecting their clients. We're going to be protecting our buyers. So default, they're getting a lot of the free stuff from us because there's certain things we have to do to make sure our buyers are protected. And I don't think it should be part of our system. I think there's plenty of other, you know, Trulia, Zillow, Craigslist. That's what that's made for. It should be out of our system. Yeah, I agree with you. I think the way it works is that RMLS has to allow them in so long as they meet certain guidelines, which is their licensed agent. They agree to co-op, a few other basic fundamentals that are required. It's too bad that they can't raise that a little bit and maybe say that there's a minimum level of service that they offer because, I mean, they're just absentee agents. I mean, it's just almost comical. It's like they, they're excited to be agents that don't do anything agents do. I mean... <laughs> I'm curious, have either of you guys, because I mean, obviously I have my opinion on it, I'll hold it for a second, but have any of you guys ever dealt with trying to write an offer on a situation like this and then dealing directly with the seller? I imagine it's just a cluster. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Haven't done it very much. And the antitrust says we can't blackball anybody. If I fall into one of these situations, I'm not looking forward to it. The other thing I won't do is. If they are representing themselves, then they have to provide their own forms. I'm not giving them anything. I mean, they're not in my camp. Matter of fact, I'm against them. I'm representing my buyers. They're doing whatever they want. They're going to do a DIY, your largest material asset, and why anyone would want to screw with that. It's unbelievable to me, but it doesn't mean that I'm going to do twice the work and breach fiduciary responsibility mm -hmm. by providing them stuff. It's like, hey, man, you know, you're alone in your boat. There's certain laws you need to know and timelines and critical dates and forms you need to supply in a timely manner. And, you know, don't look at me. You know, I'm representing the buyer.
So and you you of course by that mostly are like referring to like disclosure forms because obviously you're writing the offer on an aura form and s- sending it to them but but you mean the required forms that they would be doing on their part? Yeah, you know I'm not going to provide them disclosures, lead based paint, siding. There's a million other disclosures out there, and some of those have critical dates and they can mm. hang themselves on it. And if my people want to back out on the day of signing and get all their earnest money back because they didn't provide any kind of disclosures. My job is to protect my people. And if they 11th hour decide not to do it, then so be it. I'll find them something else. No, that's good stuff. I always think of the saying, you know, stepping over dollar bills to pick up dimes. That's what these for sale by owners are doing. And the shame of it is so often they don't even know it. Even after the fact, I remember it was about a year ago. I had a gentleman I was talking to trying to get the listing and he he was talking, well, I might put this out there myself. And, you know, we had multiple conversations about it. And then ultimately he did. And I remember and I even checked in with him somewhere along the way and he had gone pending and he was so excited. He had put it on the market at 500,000, which let's just say for the sake of this is is what the value was. When I checked in with him down the road, he was pending sale and about to close. And he laid it all out for me exactly what happened. He ended up getting an offer for like 460. They had an agent, so right away there was two and a half percent back in the kitty. And he then also proceeded to tell me that they requested another ten thousand during the repair negotiations. And he was just so he didn't understand the concept of going back and asking for more. He was like, oh, this is what I have to do or not do anything. He wasn't getting the concept of a counteroffer. So he ended up selling it and he came across like he was patting himself on the back because he had saved, you know, that other two and a half to three and a half percent commission when really he had lost tens and tens of thousands of dollars over that. And I I just feel like there's so many times when they do that and they just don't see it that way. All they can focus on, it's kind of that glass half empty concept. You know, they're focusing on the what they saved. They don't see the entire flip side of what they could have had beyond what yeah. they saved. This is another example of it, not to mention the clunky, horrific experience that they have when the agent who is the professional in the transaction is flat out saying, don't send me nothing, yo. (laughs) I'm not involved in this. (laughs) Oh, wait, there's one thing I need you to send me because I'm required. (laughs) Right. Well, let's go on to another one here, guys. The armless safety feature. This was pretty cool. Let me get that pulled up here. This was posted by Sarah O'Reilly. And she said, and I did not know about this. In fact, to be honest with you, I didn't even know about this till today, and I forwarded it off to a couple other people in our company. I was like, this is pretty cool. We should be talking about this. It's got some bugs to be sure, I think, but we'll we'll talk about that. It says, in case anyone wonders if the armless safety feature works, it does. Unfortunately, somehow, it turned itself on while I was out showing homes today and alerted two family members that I was in trouble and gave them my exact location on a map. When I didn't answer their first call, they called 911. I answered the second call from my daughter who was bawling and told her I was fine. They called 911 back to stop them from coming to my rescue. LOL. I shouldn't laugh, but now I can. Are you guys using this feature? Joe, what do you know about this? Well, I know that RMLS has been doing a lot to provide to its members and 
one of the big things is safety. And, you know, I've been beating that drum for a while. Through Masters, you know, I myself put together three defensive training classes with, you know, this three times black belt guy. And, you know, I attended them. I didn't, I introduced them and then I left, but. <laughs> Way to go, Joe. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know. I, I, I left to go have a beer. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I'm not cute enough to someone beat me up or something. Well, maybe I am, but hasn't happened yet. It is Portland, Joe. You know, yeah, it is Portland. So, but, you know, safety's a big thing. So we put together these defensive martial arts things. And the number one thing that the sensei guy says is beyond like learning how to defend yourself and fight, gouge their eyes and kick them in the balls and all that stuff, is your own awareness. I mean, all of this safety is set up preemptively in advance. Hey, honey, I'm going out to, you know, Estacada on a 20-acre parcel on a vacant house, and I'm meeting some guy I never met there. You should know where I am and when I'm going to be there and, and all this other stuff because, you know, if something goes wrong or the person has bad intentions, you're screwed. And, you know, my heart goes out every time I see that that realtor gal was murdered by the psycho. And there's all these cases of, of brokers getting attacked. So this is yet one more step. They have apps out there. And if I did any planning, I would have been able to research it and list off a few apps. And I know the people in the group can. But there's like four or five, find my friends, track your family. You know, there's a little distress app that if you hold it just right, it'll alert the whole world. And this one just happened to, you know, cry wolf. She opened the, the box and she got the text and didn't text back. I'm fine or whatever. And it went out with this. It must have been some hell of a message if everybody's crying and calling 911. <laughs> it must yeah, be the auto response. Mechanism. I, uh, this is, I want to tweak that. Yeah. A, a robocall from, from a number that says, this is to inform you that your loved one is being <laughs> mugged as we speak. Please <laughs> yeah. call 911. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry to hop in here, Joe, but I can see the value in this. I really do. And I think this is about to break open as a really cool innovation. It's just, there may be a bug or two to fix. Like, I'm not convinced that the receiving of a text and having to reply to it is the best approach. Maybe that, okay, so maybe there should be some options here. Like, imagine you're pulling up into the driveway and you're like, whoa, that guy is sketch. Let me turn on the get a text option in case I don't reply, then the, you know, the SOS goes out to all my loved ones. If that isn't the case, if you, if you don't feel the need for that elevated option, maybe it should just be, hey, I grab my phone and push a button within the sentry lock or some app or elsewhere. What is really cool about this and why I think they're onto something is they're using technology that's already there, the lockbox. The lockbox clearly is able through the sentry lock program. I mean, we already know that it it knows where it's at. It knows where you are. It knows you accessed it. So it can give out a signal that should be able to hone in on people quickly where you're located. A lot of these other apps, you know, they're working off GPS and it may be spotty or may not be as reliable, but it seems like they have a compilation of technology working together with you that could be a really, really good thing. So... I just did you look, I, 
to how this actually works, like A to B, like I'm having a hard time conceptualizing what exactly this thing. So like, do you have to turn off something like when let me you read it to you. that says I'm not in trouble or. Yeah, let me read it to you, Tucker. It was in this thread. So some people were asking because I think a lot of us didn't know what was going on. So Sarah replied and she says, if you go into sentry lock and into settings, you can set up agent safety. You then enter in contacts that you want alerted. Then, when this feature is turned on and you open a lockbox, it sends you a text after 60 and 90 seconds, basically asking if you are okay. If you don't respond, it sends an SOS, I'm in trouble text to the contacts that you entered in. So maybe, and maybe the, it is working, she just had it on at a time when she shouldn't have or wasn't paying attention to it, which is something I'm worried, and this thread kind of jokes about that, you know, us agents... We open the door, our clients, we're meeting them for the first time. We're making small talk with them. Our phone's in our pocket. It's on vibrate. We don't feel it. It suddenly, the dog, you know, it broke in through the garage and you're trying to shoot it back into its place. I mean, we know how it all goes and everything's just kind of a whirlwind. And so I'm concerned that there's going to be a little bit of cry wolf here with 911 calls left and right that are silly and meaningless and then when the right one comes through they may not be taken seriously if they don't somehow tighten it up so that it's a little bit you know more used when needed yeah it seems like the most mayhem occurs 60 to 90 seconds after (laughs) you get the key out right and responding to a text message i don't know joe what do you think that might be the worst time to you know pull your phone out and actually respond well hey if it sends SOS to my family. It could be a day later before they check their texts, and I'll be like <laughs> cut up and stuck in a freezer. You know, there is a there is a very helpful button, and it's the safety off button on your concealed mm. carry weapon. That's really effective because <laughs> if you're going out to the sticks and you're meeting some unknown person, especially mm. if you're you're female and you're meeting a male and it's far away and it's remote, and hey, cell phones don't always work in those areas, and you know, this is Portland. I'm probably going to have haters. You know, you like guns and you eat meat and you're evil. But guess what? You don't have to rely on a text going to your family, hoping that they're going to see it. You can kind of take matters in your own hands. And, you know, I, it's part of protecting yourself. I would say so. I mean, I don't think there's anything to hate about that. I mean, especially if you're a gal going out <laughs> to the sticks, like you said, meeting a guy you've never met before, just online, wants to see this house or Maybe it's his house, but who knows? I mean, my mother-in-law went to one and I heard the story. And afterwards I told my wife, I was like, don't let her go to a place like that alone again. That's crazy. And, you know, now she's not. But, you know, sometimes, yeah, you can put yourself in a position where a text message really isn't going to do anything for you. Yeah. Yeah, So let me ask you and let me throw this at you guys, too. This is why I'm kind of basically saying I'm not convinced that this thing. I think there's some promise here, but I'm not convinced it's set up perfectly yet. So that story, Carl Carter, he came to town. We had him on the podcast. He did a great presentation here for a bunch of agents through a title company. By the way, since then, I've seen him on Dateline. And in just recently, he was on another TV show on ID, Web of Lies. They did the story, same story. They kind of recirculate and do them their own unique ways. This wouldn't have helped his mom. She was fine. The 60, 90 seconds into the house, she was taking pictures. She was showing him rooms, you know. He alluded to the fact, and I think he's probably right, she had a little bit of a sinking feeling because he had shown up by himself and not with a wife. And, you know, maybe she wasn't thrilled, but 
she didn't have it's hard to know whether she would have you know queued up hey send the sos out that probably was more like five ten minutes into the showing so there might need to be another option here where that is one way that you could do it but you also could have a panic button of some sorts but I think it's cool. I think it's awesome that they're focusing on safety. I think it's a huge issue. And I think they're getting the right people talking to each other. And by that, I mean the MLS, the CenturyLock people, so that they're accumulatively, I think they're going to figure something out that really does work well. So let's move on to the next topic, guys. This one, Joe, do you have these in front of you or do you want me to pull? Why don't you introduce this one? This one was an article that was out there. Yeah, so it was basically just posting an article. There were only two comments, but you click on the link and it took you to an article. And then it also, within that article, was another link that took you to another article. And it just said, I was just discussing with a friend a few weeks ago, so relevant right now, especially when one can get licensed via a Groupon. So you can go to pro schools via Groupon and and get licensed. And then you, you click on it and it sort of talked about Gosh, it was it was multifaceted. It talked about realtors have a horrible perception in the public eye. You know, I'm not saying anything about these other professions, but who also ranked low were car salesmen and attorneys. And we were kind of right in there, which was low on the list Uh, of the list. It was like 25 down of of what people trusted. And it also talked about you know, the real estate market's booming. I'm going to get into real estate. I'm going to be rich. And it talked about professionalism and and it was multifaceted. I actually wrote a couple notes, but I'll circle back to it. What are your thoughts on this? Well, I was about to write down some notes, but now, I, now I'm in on the hot seat. So I got to talk about it. No, I thought it was great. I did read it and I really, really like this guy's take. So the title of the article is Why the Best Real Estate Agents Are the Ones No One Hears About. And I thought that was cool how he ran with that theme and ended with that theme. And basically what he kind of comes back to towards the end is the great real estate agents are the ones that have a pretty easy experience. And it seems like they it seems like we don't work that hard. It seems like we're paid a lot for what we do because they're so proactive with their approach. They're thinking ahead, like, how do we make sure we don't miss deadlines? How do we make sure we communicate to our clients before they even ask us the questions? They're the ones who are averting disaster before it ever happens. And so at the end of the experience, the client oftentimes will snicker and go, oh, you guys get paid a lot for what you do, for the little bit of work you do. Whereas, you know, the ones that are running around putting out fires and, 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 you know, hair on fire and everything's falling apart because they're not averting disaster, they're not proactively communicating, they seem like they're earning their paychecks, but really they're just creating a horrible experience for their clients by being reactive in their approach versus proactive. That was a cool part of it. You know, he talked about a dose of professionalism. He said most agents have a tendency to be yes people. They don't want to ruffle the feathers of their clients. They don't want to tell them, no, that's not a bad, they don't want to tell them, you know, maybe this house isn't going to sell exactly as it is. Maybe we should, you know, spend a few hours sharpening our ax before we start to chop down the tree. Maybe we should, you know, before we throw this on the market and see what happens, 
maybe we should stand back and, and look at the actual house and, and, and how it shows and, and address it strategically, whether it's staging or some strategic improvements. Instead, most agents are just like, hey, you know, the client says what they want, they're thinking, and the client says yes. And a lot of times that comes along with pricing. He touched on this quite a bit, you know, how common it is, especially at a time like now where we've been in such a great market for so long that a lot of people have been lured into it, right, wrong, or otherwise. There's a lot of people that have gravitated towards being a realtor. Realtor, I should say, Joe. Realtor. (laughs) And I know you're right, by the way. Old habits die hard. Gravitate towards being a realtor. And they're the type that are very likely to overprice their listings as part of that whole not saying no, not showing the reasons why, but just wanting to go with the flow and follow the client versus being a leader in the process. And, you know, the last thing he really finished with was raising the bar with the industry talked about and this is stuff we've talked about on the show i mean he said you know it takes longer to be an appraiser what was the other thing he said a hairdresser he said you know your average hairdresser has to go through more training than a realtor does before they can sell houses and you know the average real estate brokerage doesn't have a mentorship program they don't have a one-on-one training. They have a reviewing broker, but that's not what they do. They just look at paperwork and tell you if it's right or wrong. Well, guess what? The paperwork's already signed by the time they get it, usually. Sometimes they're calling and asking questions, but they don't have that level of ability and time to address everything that needs to be addressed. So he's calling on the industry as a whole to, to raise the bar and set up some licensing levels and and apprenticeships. He was pretty funny. It was an entertaining article, I have to say. He said, I'm so annoyed by the so-called leadership that yaps about raising standards like an ankle-biting dog on the porch. Either bite or go lay down. It's well past the time that the entry and retention bar be raised to cull the massive amount of bloat in the agent's ranks. So, funny analogy, though. I mean... There's just a lot of hyping like, you know, oh, we got to raise the bar. We got to raise the bar. Well, freaking raise the bar. What are we waiting on? You know, did you see, I'm sure you both saw it, but Billy Grippo had a post this morning where I guess his clients thought he did a pretty good job. But (laughs) before that, before they said Billy was great, they said, I typically consider real estate agents in the real estate industry a complete drain on society. So (laughs) I guess... I mean, I don't I don't know Billy Grippo, but I would say he must have done a good job to at least have them have that opinion about real estate agents and the real estate industry as a whole. But then to say that he did a good job. But I think it furthers the point that the guy's probably making in the article is that you got to raise the bar. Right. These people had a good experience with him. But in general, they went into it with, you know, kind of a pessimistic outlook on, you know, what it is that the real estate you know industry offers or what realtors could offer them as far as a service for selling their house. Yeah, yeah, I saw, I did see that. That was funny. Billy Grippo, he's a good guy. He takes good care of his clients, and I know he's a good contributor to the Masters Group. Yeah, he's been around, too. He's seen everything a thousand times, so he's Mensa Society for Real Estate Knowledge, and he's one of those guys, there's a few go-to people that when they post something, it's usually always spot on, and, and I consider him to be one of those. You know, the fact that this article was posted and then there was a link that you know talked about another article there were 
a couple highlights, and I and I took a couple notes because it jumped all over the place. But first and foremost, realtors have a bad image in society, and you know, every time you have a good experience with a realtor, it doesn't hit the news. But when a guy is stealing painkillers out of his own listing, or someone's waving a gun along the freeway, you know, that stuff hits the news and it sticks around for a really long time. So it's kind of like the bad stuff, you know, spreads like wildfire. Something the guy said about, you know, brokers really don't have a mentor group. Well, I disagree because, you know, my company has a, a very strong mentor group and we have very, very strong training because me, as one of the owners, have a philosophy that it's easier to keep people out of trouble than to get people out of trouble. So I disagree with what he said there. And, you know, my own philosophy, according to Joe, is you don't make any money selling someone a house. You don't, right? You need to under-promise, over-deliver, make sure they're protected, and then they call you in five years. And you sell it for them and sell them a bigger house. And then in five years, they do the same thing. And then, you know, 15 years down the road, they call you, you sell the big house and they get a one level and you sell homes to all their friends and people in the church and employees and their grandson and, and everything else. So you only get raving fans if you do what you're supposed to do. So with that, I'm going to say contrary to public belief and maybe popular belief, our job as a selling agent is more so to talk people out of houses than to do like they do on HGTV, right? I can't tell you the number of times there's a, a young newlywed couple. We're walking around in Westmoreland. There's a bungalow, a big porch, a swinging bench. You can just see their eyes are like pinwheels, right? And my job is to say, well, you know, the, the house is built in 1900s, so there's wood in this house that's 117 years old, and you got to worry about asbestos and radon and the sewer line, and I'm going to check for roof leaks in August because you're not going to. This is my job to tell them about inferior. Oh, you know, and by the way, it hasn't been rewired. It's got the original plumbing. Right. It's glass and plaster, so try and put a picture on the wall. The fun stuff, right? <laughs> so. I need but don't to, you dare tear that house down, Tucker. You stay nah, away. It's before 1915. <laughs> we got a hand demo that, you know. That. <laughs> so, and, and with the HGTV, how we're portrayed, and they said this in the article too, you have like a, a realtor showing these buyers around, and then you walk into the kitchen, and they say, and this is the kitchen. Like, they can't figure that out for themselves. Or they're saying something like, you know, could you imagine yourself having a party in this backyard? You know, just cheesy stuff you know the freeway gosh doesn't that sound like the ocean you know <laughs> that's like, my favorite yeah that's <laughs> isn't it great i actually heard that and i busted out la I, the first time i heard that i busted out laughing thought the guy was joking and he wasn't and it was a little embarrassing but that's what you see on tv and then now they say like video is the new trend <laughs> and then people aspiring to be the best realtor they can I can't tell you how many times I almost threw up seeing these crappy, shaky phone videos of, hey, I'm here touring a house. Come with me. And this thing's like bouncing around like they're working a jackhammer. And it goes on for five <laughs> minutes. And it's like, who is that serving? I mean, who would get anything out of this bouncy, non-stabilizing whatever? So, of course, people have 
bad images of, of realtors. And then my, my final two thoughts are, they talked about the yes man. And in real estate, we call that, you know, buying the listing. The seller says, gee, I would like to get $50,000 more than what it's really worth. And they're just like, great, let's do it. <laughs> and, and so Where they, do I sign? Yeah, 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 they interview three people. One guy says, your house will sell for X. Next guy, your house will sell for X. The third guy, I can get you X plus 50 grand. Okay, you're hired. Well, what's the benefit for that broker? Because as months and months go by and, you know, the spouse is saying, look, honey, let's get out of here and go to the new place. All the neighbors think we're idiots. They're going to get discouraged and maybe reduce it to 25 grand over X. And then in another two months, reduce it to X and then it'll sell. And the person got it kind of in a dishonest, crooked way, but they got it. Beyond that, all of the future sellers and buying calls they're going to get from sign calls, they're going to go sell a whole bunch of other people's houses using that for bait. And I have never worked that way and it kills me. And I wake up in the middle of the night and when someone bought the listing and I didn't get it, I grit my teeth, but it happens. And I guess to round it out, something you said, Steve, my job, if at the very end of it, they think I am the most overpaid person in the world then I've done my job. And that means I've kicked ass, took names. I did a lot of this stuff unseen. They weren't brought into the, I mean, it's stressful enough buying a house and I don't need to tell them that, you know, we have appraisal issues and all this other stuff. I'm going to figure it out and get it handled. And if there's no way around it, I'll tell them in a timely manner. But a lot of times you can figure this out in a short period of time. And when that happens, you get your raving fans and then you sell all of their houses the rest of their lives and all of their friends and family. And that's how you have to do it. It's not walking around pointing out the obvious and this is, you know, this is the kitchen and this is the den. And so it was a pretty detailed two articles and, and those were the highlights I got out of it. And it had some truth to it, but I don't buy into all of it. Yeah. Another interesting thing you made me think of, Joe, while you were talking, is it any wonder that we have so many agents joining the ranks with all those TV shows that glamorize the business and, and only show the warm, fuzzy parts of our jobs? And don't get me wrong, I I like my job, but I also have a team that does a lot of the really icky stuff. There's a lot of paperwork. There's a lot of traffic time. There's a lot of remedial phone conversations and housekeeping, you know, chasing stuff down that isn't shown on those TV shows. It isn't what people associate with our profession. So I think it would be interesting to come up with a way, maybe part of how we limit the number of agents to come into the business and how we raise the bar, somehow figure out a way to show that backside of the business <laughs> before they start the licensing process. You know what it reminds me of? Over the years, I work with, you know, I've worked with several stagers and I believe in staging homes. And over the years, I've had some people ask me, they say, hey, I, you know, they're usually people who are kind of artsy and they like design and stuff. And they're like, hey, Steve, I've been thinking about getting into staging. Actually, one of your, <laughs> one of our friends, Tucker, I, oh. I had this, I haven't followed up on that. So I wouldn't call him artsy, but I I told him it was a bad idea. Yeah. <laughs> and and I think it was his wife that was really thinking about it. And I I had this conversation with him. I'm like, look, 
here's the deal. I get that it looks glamorous. I get that it looks fun. You're going into this empty house and you're you're walking around and then, you know, voila, you know, 60 hours later, you know, four days later, it looks beautiful. I get that. That's cool. You're movers. <laughs> you are a mover. You are a professional mover. Have you ever moved before? Do you want to do that every day of the rest of your life? <laughs> you are also a warehouser. You now work in a warehouse. You now inventory furniture. So in some ways, while you know, we, we can laugh about that, and, and that is the reality of staging. And by the way, I'm not knocking stagers. We need them. They're amazing people. Thank you for doing, and you deserve the glamorous parts of those jobs, and you deserve the credit for what you do. But I appreciate you because I know how hard what you're doing is. And I think there's an element of that with our industry, too. I think... I think the clients and so many other people forget all the minutia of what we have to do and they only see the really cool parts, showing homes or going into a listing and putting up the sign or stuff like that. So anyways, well moving said. on, we have, I, we have one last one and this one was about advertising. I think it started with Facebook. It was, let me pull it up. Joe, do you have that one up? No, I thought we were done. <laughs> <laughs> we'll go one through. more. Quick one. Yes, I've researched this one with great detail. Go for it, Joe. Introduce it. I think I have it up now if you want me to read it. I'll, let me read it and I'll lob it to you. My husband was just scrolling through Facebook and says, look, your listing is on this ad. Is another realtor allowed to advertise my listing without my permission? Obviously, I would love them to bring me a buyer, but I don't love that it looks like this is their listing. This is a big team, too, one that advertises on the radio. They should have plenty of their own listings to advertise. Your thoughts, question mark. Patty Jensen, April 2nd at 10.54 p.m. Joe, you've researched this. I'm intrigued by this conversation. It is it is a complex one. I will give you that. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, it's a good topic, and I didn't know we were throwing that one in the mix. But, you know, it's legal in the eyes of the real estate commissioner and RMLS that you can through IDX, advertise other people's listings, and then somewhere there it says courtesy of ABC Company. So they're seeing for the first time that that's happening. It seems like if they're advertising a singular property, that's a little more suspicious than simply being in IDX. I'm not a big fan of this, I don't want to say collusion, but there's a little bit of dishonesty going on in the market. Like you have some of these big companies and, and everyone says, Hey, I'm the owner of a real estate company. I'm the owner of the such and such group. And they don't really mention that they're part of another big umbrella, right? CEO. CEO is real common too. They say yeah. they're the CEO, which kind of conveys ownership. Yeah. yeah. I'm owner. I'm a CEO. And they don't really <laughs> disclose that they belong to another company. And, and so I don't think it's as transparent as it should be. Same with, you know, IDX. I mean, I think if you go to a search site, you should be able to see all of the listings, but it shouldn't be packaged that this guy has every single listing in all of Portland because you go and you search it and it has his name all over it. And it really appears to be that it's some entity's listing. Or if you go to some other guy's website, then they all look like his listing. So I'm not a big fan of that. Matter of fact, I wouldn't mind branding to come back. I think this non-branding of everything 
will solve a lot of problems. Who knows more about any listing out there? The listing agent does, you know? They're going to tell you stuff rather than some guy who pulls it up on RMLS and reads it to them. So I don't think branding is necessarily a bad thing. That has its own can of worms with other brokers, prospective buyers calling them and and doing showings for other people and people being unfaithful. But I'm not a big fan of advertising other people's listings as your own, but I know it happens. And I think if push comes to shove, that big team guy who advertises on the radio would probably be fully absolved from from that. Maybe you guys can enlighten me, but it seems like if you're doing Facebook ads to drive business, maybe you want to steal like a nice picture that Justin Hornish took of one of his multi-gazillion dollar listings over the lake, right? And then use that as your clickbait. But <laughs> other than that, like I don't see what the point is, you know? So what they're basically doing, I mean, I get what you're saying, Tucker. I guess their approach probably is that those buyers probably have agents. They're going after just the the starter price point buyer who doesn't have an agent. Maybe it's their first home. They're going to put out in social media a bunch of pictures of houses with the address and say, click here to learn more. It goes to their search site. The problem with that is, and, and I read this entire thread and it was pretty enlightening to me. I get, here's what I was going to say. It is murky. It seems confusing at a glance because IDX does allow all of us to have websites with our little pretty picture there in the corner. Some of them pretty, not not so much me and Joe, but no, <laughs> some of us has our picture there and then it has all these other homes that they get to search. So it is a little confusing. Like, why can I do that? But then I can't, you know, take your listing and put it on Facebook and say, let me know if you're interested in this house. And actually some of the RMLS powers that be jumped in and kind of helped us out with it. It really has to do with, and, and, and I don't claim to be an absolute expert here, but for what I understood, it has to do with some of the randomness of IDX. You know, the RMLS has a, you know, guidelines that state we can all share searches. We can all take the MLS feed and, and create searches and, and have our information there. But when you start singularly choosing properties to promote as if they're your own, and that's that's a big key here, then you break some rules. And from what I understood in this post, the big team leader who had done this, he reached out to the agent, which was Patty Jensen, and he apologized and said he had gone through a marketing company is what I read here anyway, and they had done it on his behalf and through Facebook and he apologized and he took it down. What I also gathered from this was, and this came from RMLS, from what I understand, if you want to take somebody else's listing and you want to promote it in this manner specifically, meaning you're taking it specifically and putting it out there, like call me if you're interested in this, two things need to happen for it to be okay. You need to have their permission and you need to also disclaim that it's their listing. A good example of this would be Zillow, right? They put people by listings, but they do both those things. If you look on Zillow, on every page, it says this is the listing of so-and-so somewhere. Oftentimes, it's right there at the top agent. It says listing agent, but other times, even if that's not the case, it will have somewhere on that page who the actual listing agent is or at least the listing company. The other thing that Zillow does is they have permission from the MLSs 
to do so. People can opt out. Brokerages can opt out. Not everyone has to give their listings to Zillow. So on a brokerage level, people can say, no, I don't want that to happen. And they don't have to. So so while Zillow is a big example of that, and obviously a complex example, on a micro level, if I want to take Joe's listing and I want to put it out there in the world and maybe even make flyers. In fact, here at PPG, we do this. We allow some of our new agents, we make them put it in writing. They can go to one of the other agents in the company, maybe somebody who has a listing that you know they've held five open houses and they have no desire to hold anymore. That new agent can approach them. They, we have a system where they can approach him. They can say, hey, can I hold your house open? I'd also like to knock doors on the neighborhood and, and drum up some interest. If they get in writing an email that says they have permission to do so, we on the marketing side will create a flyer for them that has the listings information. And it will also say, you know, courtesy of the actual listing agent. And then, you know, I forget the exact verbiage, but something, you know, presented by courtesy of the listing agent's name. So really what it boils down to, get their permission and make sure you disclose that it's their listing and don't try to take credit as if it's your own. Well, full disclosure here, I don't market via the radio, but Steve, I do hear a lot of you and your big team's radio ads all the time, so I look forward to those. (laughs) I have no radio ads. I have a a podcast ad. It was not you or me. That's just for the- No, I don't. Yeah, it wasn't one of us. I have no idea who it was, and I think they learned their lesson. And I think it was a valuable thing. I mean- This was the right way to call out an agent, by the way. I thought it was really professionally put out there. She blacked out the name. She could have easily have left that there. And till this juncture, I don't know who it was. So she did it the right way. She put it on Masters. She said, this is a problem, I think. What does everyone think? They all weighed in. Clearly, it got back to who was doing it. And they corrected the matter without being called out and without being, you know, a hog pile on top of them. So it was a great tribute to the best of masters. And we'll end the best of masters with good example of the best of masters. <laughs> there we go. I like it. Cool. Well, I think we covered a lot of good ground, a lot of good topics, some interesting conversation. Hopefully not the initial conversation before we started recording. But, you know, who knows? Maybe Dan will splice that in. We don't know. <laughs> Doubtful. But anyway, this is episode 63. Thanks for joining us, Joe. We always have a good time with you. And Steve, I will see you next week. Yeah, sounds good, guys. Have a good one. See you guys. We'll see you guys on the next one. Thanks again for listening to our show, and make sure to tune in next week for another great episode of the Portland Real Estate Podcast.